Outside of death and taxes, there are few absolutes in life. In the world of investing, fear and greed are, are the only things we can count on. We have thousands of data points and metrics to judge companies and the health of, a, of the economy. And at any given moment, some subset of that data drives security prices. Oh, I forgot the story. There's always a story. Some investors focus on the data while others focus on the narrative. And the smart ones learn how to put it all together to arrive at an investment decision. Okay, you've done your homework. Life is good. And the stars are aligned. Boom! You're killing it. The cash registers are ringing. Your strategy is working right up until the time it doesn't. You start muttering to yourself, I don't understand what happened. Microsoft, Apple, NVIDIA, they were all working. I believe in technology. I believe artificial intelligence will set the stage for one of the great growth themes in a generation. Isn't that what David Nelson, the Money Runner guy, said? You tell yourself, I don't care that Apple missed the quarter or that NVIDIA is now 15% off the highs. I'm staying the course. I'm a long-term investor. I am not a trader. Well, that narrative works for a few days, but now your favorite stocks are down another 5% and pretty soon profits are turning into losses. You stop watching more of your favorite financial news shows, a couple of podcasts, and now you're even more confused. You're one bad trading day away from opening an options account thinking that's the answer. Like I said, there are two things we can count on. Fear and greed. There's one more absolute we should talk about. Change. Along the way to that pot of gold, the market will change direction dozens of times. That change can last days, weeks, even years. We're in the middle of one of those detours right now. The signposts are right in front of you. Stay with me, people. Here's my playbook on how to read those signs and what you need to do right now. Welcome to The Money Runner. I'm David Nelson. Like we discussed at the top of the pod, there are thousands of data points that each in their own way give you some insight on the health of a company or the economy as a whole. But what if you were forced to choose just one? You'd have to choose the risk-free rate. Not just the absolute rate, but the implied level of where it will be at some point in the future. If Fed funds or the overnight rate is 5.5% like it is right now, that's important, but not as important as where the market believes that rate will be three months, six months, or even a year from now. We've discussed the myopic focus investors have with the front end of the curve and what the Fed may or may not do. But all the way over on the long end, rates are rising and rising fast. It started with the Bank of Japan when they loosened their bans around Japanese government bonds. That was a big deal and send shockwaves through global fixed income and equity markets. The Fitch downgrade of U.S. debt, that raised the stakes even higher. And suddenly the narrative shifted from higher for longer to just how high are rates going. 
The above started to play out in equity markets with August setting up to be the first down month since the bank scare in March, forcing many investors to question the bull thesis. The epic battle between growth and value investors has been raging since the dawn of markets. Growth investors focus more on revenue and earnings acceleration, willing to pay higher multiples for securities that are less cyclical. Some have moats around their business models, making them less susceptible to competition. Certainly Apple, Microsoft, and others fit that description. The value camp? They want growth, but not at any price, and demand earnings, free cash flow, and or dividends while they're waiting. The risk-free rate is important because it is the alternative in what all other investments are judged against. Investors spend a lot of time trying to outguess the Fed and what their next move is. Long-term rates can also give us meaningful insight, helping us determine which securities and investment themes are going to perform in a given cycle. Every market is different, but right now, a 4% 10-year yield appears to be the dividing line between growth and value performance. North of 4%, investors go back to their 2022 playbook, piling into value stocks with high cash flow yields. We can look at this in several ways. You can see that every time 10-year rates push above 4%, broad markets like the S&P 500 start to wobble. Up until recently, the year has been all about tech, communications, and consumer discretionary, dominated by the Magnificent Seven. You know the names. Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, NVIDIA, Amazon, Meta, and of course, Elon Musk, Tesla. Okay, let's break the year down into two time frames, before July 6th and after. Why that date? It was the second time this year 10-year rates breached the 4% barrier. Only this time, we get a clear break in market leadership. Check this chart out. S&P 500 on top, 10-year rates on the bottom, and in the middle, a ratio chart of large-cap growth versus large-cap value. When that white line is heading higher, growth is outperforming. It's pretty clear growth stalled, and in fact, value has started to take the leadership role. Sector charts are good tell. In the first half of the year, they show massive outperformance of growth sectors over value. After the July break, the chart flips upside down with energy on top. Look familiar? It should. It's very close to the 2022 playbook. Look at the acceleration of 10-year rates in 2022. Rates peak in October last year, which, by the way, was the beginning of the bull market. Here's another signpost. Sometimes you can get direction from which ETFs are working. Pacer U.S. Cash Cow, COWZ, which focuses on stocks with high free cash flow yields, was the darling of 2022 coming in just positive on the year. That was a home run in a year when the broad market was down more than 18%. Once again, this ETF has a heavy overweight to high free cash flow energy stocks, which currently make up more than 37% of the portfolio. Free cash flow, which is what is left after a business pays its day-to-day -day operating expenses, is the common denominator of most value models. So what should you do with this information?
you're going to need something more than just the Magnificent Seven to navigate the current detour. There's an old saying that markets do their best to inflict pain on the most people. For the last couple of years, investors have rushed from one side of the lifeboat to the other, trying to stay ahead of prevailing investment themes, in large part dictated by the perception of where rates are heading. Growth has been the hands-down winner in the first half of the year, while energy took a backseat. Today, you can turn that upside down once again as energy along with other laggers like healthcare are currently leading the pack. Oil's not in the 60s anymore, and each stair step higher adds to the revenue earnings and cash flow of most companies in the oil patch. What can we use as an early indicator of what's going to work and what isn't? Watch 10-year yields. It's a pretty good trigger. If it starts trending sustainably below 4%, increase your exposure to tech. Above that level, you're going to need some of these high free cash flow sectors and securities to balance out your portfolio. If you're looking to keep it simple, add some cows or another value-focused ETF. All of the above begs the question, what happens if 10-year rates keep climbing? What about 5%? How about 6 Then nothing works. There's a rising tide of concern that the U.S. may have hit debt and deficit levels that combined are giving investors pause. That very large elephant in the room is the cost to service our debt which is on a clear path to $1 trillion more than even our defense budget. We're only 10 months into the fiscal year, and already Washington has ballooned a peacetime deficit past $1.6 trillion. For the first time since the financial crisis, some analysts and strategists are starting to use the term credit event. I said earlier there are three absolutes in markets, fear, greed, and change. It's pretty clear which one of those will be the dominant emotion if the U.S. fails to get its act together. We can have the conversation now or wait until the world wakes up and realizes the emperor has no clothes. I hope you like today's pod. And if you'd like to follow me and keep up to date on all my posts and recommendations, hit subscribe. Thanks for joining. I'm David Nelson.